Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome, everybody, to the Family Biz Show. I'm your host, Michael Columbus, from Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And we have an incredible show for you today. We are joined with uh, by Coley Clark and Jennifer Donahoe from Feldmeyer Equipment in Syracuse, New York. And we have some great stories that we're going to be sharing with you. And we're really excited about it. So Colby, Jennifer, welcome to both of you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So we have kind of a tradition on the show. Um, we just ask each of you to talk about your journey into the family business. So why don't we uh, talk? We'll do ladies first. And Jennifer, if you don't mind sharing, what was your journey into the family business? And maybe even a little bit of background of some of the roles that you've played in the business so far. So my journey was definitely different than Colby's. Uh, we've all had different paths into the business. Um, I grew up with my mom joining the business later in life. Um, she, opposed to Colby's parents, didn't always work in the business. She joined later in life. Um, and so I took a trajectory of going to college. I had always hoped and dreamed of working at Feldmeyer to work with my grandparents and to work with other members of my family. But they didn't share that same vision. <laughs> And so, well, one of my, one of the things my grandfather always said was that he needed a chaplain in our family business. He had everything, every person already played a role, but he needed a chaplain to deal with everyone. So I ended up going to school for counseling. Um, I took that path. It was something that I had a passion for outside of, um, you know, our family, but then I took my grandparents' words in, in honor and followed that path and then ended up joining the business after graduate school, after I kind of weaseled and fought my way in. I, uh, I joined. Okay. What was your first position at the company? Uh, so I've done, I've worn a lot of hats in my last 12 years here, but um, mostly I've been doing HR. I've done some sales. I've done shipping. I've done anything that anybody ever needed or asked. Great. Well, welcome. That's a great, that's a great story. Um, my uncle, who's a priest, um, would say, you know, being a chaplain is being that you know, family therapists sometimes and being able to have those conversations. So I'm sure, you know, as, as we all know, in a family business, having somebody that has that kind of a background where they might be able to see perspectives differently, more easily is, is wonderful. So, and you use that with your employees too, I bet you. And from the Absolutely. HR side of things, that's just a wonderful, love it. Thank you. Colby, how about yourself? Well, my, my path was, was, was different from, from Jennifer's. You know, I, I grew up being the, the oldest grandchild um, and also the only grandson. Okay. Um, and, and when I was younger, I, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. Um, my father was in the ski industry. So during the winter months, he was always gone. 
so my grandfather, he would bring me into work. You know, I started, uh, you know, as most people in family businesses, businesses do, sweeping the floor, doing odd jobs. And, and I knew enough that this isn't what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Um, you know, as I said, my, my father was, was in the ski industry. So, you know, I, I graduated from college and um, my, my girlfriend at the time was a year behind me. Okay. So I said, okay, I'm going to come back and what am I going to do? Well, my, my goal eventually is I want to go work out in Vail, Colorado, starting the, started working on a ski hill and, and take over our other family business, which was uh, being a ski rep for the Eastern part of the U S and that was been 25 years later. So as, as soon as my grandfather got, uh, got his, his, his proverbial teeth into me, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere, but it was just such a wonderful experience to, to be able to work with him every day. Um, I wouldn't have changed it. And as they say, the rest is history. You know, I've had the, I've had the luck of starting from the ground floor all the way up, um, which has been fun. You know, he, uh, he looked at me one day and, and said, you're going to start purchasing for the whole entire company. So good luck. <laughs> I, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, uh, but at this time we, we just, um, merged with, uh, Cherry Borough, which was a longtime family business in Little Falls, which was one of our competitors. And all these, these people looked at me and said, okay, here's this 22-year-old kid. He's going to tell us how to do this. And it was tough. Um, we were very successful. We, we turned that around. And I was I remember sitting one day uh, at my desk and my grandfather would always sit in the couch in front of me. And he looked at me and says, okay, well, I'm going to miss you. I said, what do you mean you're going to miss me? I mean, I'm here. He said, well, you're moving to Alabama. I said, I'm, I'm moving to Alabama. He says, yeah, you're, you're moving to Alabama. We've got a problem in that facility in Alabama, and uh, I want you to move. I want you out of here by the beginning of September. And this was uh, beginning of July. Okay. So I made that move quick, and, and I've been lucky enough to spend time in each one of our facilities. And, and uh, you know, the Reader Digest version is now we're at where we're at. So your grandfather sounds like the pretty typical entrepreneurial uh, D dominant personality that says, you know, uh, I have a vision and this is how it's going to go. Um, and, and that rugged, you know, individualist in terms of how he did things. Does that kind of sum it up a little bit? Pretty yeah. I would say so. I mean, he, 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 obviously he's instilled in Jennifer and myself that this is all about family, right? I mean, you, you want to be able to take care of your family. You want your family involved. And he always say, well, you know, what a better way than to, to have a business. You know, it's a great way to have my family around me every day. Um, you know, so he relished in that and that's kind of, you know, what this third generation is, is really trying to build up, right? Your first generation starts it usually second generation builds it, your third generation, you know, messes it up. Um, where, you know, Jenny and I are taking more of an active role of, of trying to get this and instill the values that our grandparents put in us and, and their children as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I, I fight against that conversation and because it is so pervasive in the family business world and so let's go back and hit history real quick when was the company started approximately how many years ago then 1952 1952 right so you know you, you go back 
the average company is on the S&P 500 for seven years or less. You know, that's the average. So, you know, so forget about the fact that this is on your shoulders from a third generation and all those family business conversations. The family has done a remarkable job already and needs to be applauded since, you know, 1952. Think about all the families that your grandfather and father and yourselves have touched and helped as you've been doing some things. So, you know, let me take that burden off your shoulders real quick. But at the same time, at the same time, what you're saying is, I think you're starting to understand that Feldmeyer is an entity all by itself. It has its own EIN number, right? And yeah. you you two want to become really good stewards of what you're doing. Does that sound right? I walk through. Uh, I walk into the office every day, and for some reason, I hit our hit it hit to hit our uh, uh, TV screen at the same time of my grandparents every day, smiling at us as we walk in, holding a martini, <laughs> drinking their martini. So, yep. so, so that so, uh, makes it all worth it. Jennifer, do you mind, you know, I don't know who has the background of the company and the history, but do you mind, you know, just walking us through 1952 to, you know, not present day, but kind of the abbreviated version. What were things like, what was, you know, your grandparents' core purpose and some of the values that they've instilled in the family? Do you mind picking up on that a little bit? And then yeah, you go think, back and forth if she misses I was going to say, I think Colby and I can both have pieces of that one. Um, sure. So our grandparents started the business, but there's more than that than them just starting the business. My my grandfather's father was the chief engineer at Cherry Burrell, who Colby mentioned prior. We ended up purchasing, um, and so that ability to invent and to that work ethic was instilled in my grandfather in a young age, and so he had a drive and a vision to always be like his father, um, and but on top of that, own his own business, create his own inventions and um, create a business where he could employ his family and have a place for them, but not just his family, everyone in his community. That was a very important part of our grandfather and our grandfather's mission. Um, so, you know, fast forward to 1952, our grandparents decided to start the business. It wasn't an easy go of it. Uh, we always heard stories which Colby and I both were very, very grateful to spend a lot of time with our grandparents, um, even though they spent 24 hours a day working on the company, they always made time for all the grandchildren and all, all members of their family. Most of the time we were at work with them, but not, nonetheless, it was always a great opportunity to be with them and share these, these memories. But at the same time, so we always heard stories about starting the business in 1952 in their house. My grandmother was on the phone in their bedroom and my grandfather would leave the house Sundays and go on the road for a week and leave the four children and my grandmother to make invoices, cook the dinner, take care of the family, and she would see him next week, and hopefully he was able to bring home an order. Um, and then it kind of spitballed from that, and Colby can really talk about the um, purchasing the different facilities and growing um, from that side, because he was involved in a lot of it where I came in a little bit later. Um, but that value of our grandparents starting the business and that work ethic it took for the years that they spent in the upstairs in their bedroom and the pictures we have of them working like that is really where our family reverts to every day when we think about what we need to do when we walk in the door. I, I love that. You know, what's really unique is 
usually it's the second generation that's talking to me about the amount of time that they spent with the founder. But Colby, because you know you came in so young, and Jennifer, because you know you just respected your grandparents so much, you guys both got to to experience that at a whole different level, I think, than most people do. Yeah. Luckily, you know, early on in, in the Feldmeyer career, my grandfather, he, his favorite his favorite line was, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so he, he told me a story back in the late 60s where, where their original thrust was building tubular heat exchangers for uh, pulpy products, orange juices, apple juices, things like that. Well, they had to diversify to start building vessels to store the, the liquids and his what his foreman at the time says, well, Bob, I don't understand why we just don't order these tanks from, you know, our competitor. And he looks at me and says, it doesn't make any sense. You know, no, we're going to do this ourselves. So in the early 70s is when we started building heat exchangers and tanks. We went through a period of bankruptcy in the early 80s um, and really tried to work out of that hole in the early 80s into the 90s. And I, I started, you know, summer times and stuff like that in the early 90s. But our weekends, I would go to my grandfather's house. And, you know, most times, you know, you, most people that go to their grandparents, they play outside in the snow and just run around. And I was inside with my grandfather taking apart blenders, trying to figure out how to make a better seal. I mean, that's just how we worked. Um, so he, he gave us the drive um, that in, in 1994, he said, you know, we, we need to diversify a little bit more. Um, and at this time, you know, freight was a really big issue, a really big problem. So we wanted to get where the consumer base was. The orange juice industry in Florida in the early 90s was, was really booming. And he said, I don't care, boys, we're going to build a facility in Montgomery, Alabama. And we, everybody looked at each other and said, are you, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So he, he was a driving force behind doing that. And then in uh, around... 1997, when I came on board, uh, Waukesha Cherry he heard was going to be sold to one of our competitors. And that was in Little Falls, New York. Well, he wrote a handwritten letter and faxed it to the president of, of Cherry and says, this doesn't make any sense. You know, I've, we're down in Syracuse, New York. Um, how about selling us the business? Not thinking if anything would happen. And uh, a day later, he got back to him and said, okay. It makes sense. We'd rather sell to you than a big conglomerate in the Midwest. Um, when we bought Cherborough, we, we thought that the customer base was the same. So we were just looking at it for supplemental uh, floor space. Little did we know that the customer base was 100% different. They're yeah. an industry that we were never in. And that really helped our growth. It really helped us grow. And then 1999, uh, again, Freight was an issue. West Coast started booming. So we built a facility in um, Fernley, Nevada uh, to cover the West Coast. And then in 2000 or 2001, we bought a facility in Shell Rock, Iowa to service okay. the West. Um, you guys are all across the country at this point. How many yeah. locations is it? Right now we're seven. Okay. Seven facilities. So we, uh, there's, and it was all because of his vision. He didn't know what he wanted to do, but he knew he had to do it. And, you know, being a family business, he knew he had the, the people around him that were going to make it happen. Gotcha. Um, you know, so, no, go ahead. No, I, just, I was just going to say your grandfather 
had this, you know, what, what we would call today, and Jim Collins, who wrote the book Good to Great, would say he had a big hair, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah. I don't know whether he shared his vision or whatnot with people, or if it just would come out in pieces. That the way you're talking about it, it almost kind of sounds like, you know, it would come out in pieces as, as his vision kind of, you know, changed over time. But that's pretty interesting what a visionary he was and what it turned into today he was he was really the driving force um behind it all and and you know jennifer and i you know being so close to him you know we we really want to carry out that vision for him and my, my grandmother and, and the rest of the family because at the end of the day you know being in a family business it it's about family it's about your, your your immediate family but it's also about your employees you know our employees are our family as well and sometimes it doesn't come across to them because you know we all take this job and this business so seriously um, knowing that it's all on our shoulders, um, you know, but it also has its, its benefits as well. We don't have to listen to shareholders, right? Right. We 100%. can do what it takes. We can make immediate decisions. Yeah. You know, we're, we're very vertically integrated and, and we can, we're agile. We can, we can move in different directions pretty quickly. And it shows what we've done since 1952 till to, to today. Do you, so in thinking about your grandparents and the values are their values kind of embedded? I mean, do you guys have co corporate values today? Are those kind of the, the values from your grandparents? I'm just curious. I'm not. No. They are. Do, do, do you know what, the, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you know what the, the company's core values are? Well, I think we don't have we don't have anything listed exactly, but in regard to our grandparents, um, you know, again, it's the in, invention, ingenuity, yeah. commitment, yeah. family values, um, and quality. So I, on top of that, I mean, sure, Colby has a lot of other things, but um, those are the things that we, every day when we're walking on the floor, those are those are the things that we talk about with our employees, the, the commitment to the work, the family values, and, um, you know, doing what it takes. You know, it's, as I've talked to family businesses for years now, I find that more often than not, you know, you don't have these company corporate values that are posted up on a wall, you guys are living them. And exactly. we, you know, it's grandma and grandpa instilled them in us. We know what they are. That's why, you know, I know I'm, I'm always almost usually comfortable putting people on the spot because even if they don't have them written down, they know what they are. And, you know, if I bet you if you were to walk out on the floor, people there would say exactly what you just said. Right. Pretty cool. It's we pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, you, Colby, you mentioned, you know, you, the, the company went through a bankruptcy back in the eighties, you know, and, and here you are still doing what you're doing bigger and, you know, better than ever. Were there, you know, what, were there other obstacles through the years that kind of shaped who Feldmeyer is and what you're about today, would you say? Yeah. You know, I, I think a having grandparents that, that went through the great depression, um, understood that, you know, you, you have to save a penny here. Um, the, the big thing that happened that, that really reshaped our company was in the mid 2000s, you know, about 2009, 2010, you know, and being, being in a family business, you always end up with some, some family issues and family squabbles. Um, you know, there was a, a family member in the mid 2000s that was, was, was all about himself and, and tried stealing the business from, the other siblings in, in the family. 
and they all rallied around each other. And, you know, we, we changed the entire management style where the company was run a certain way for, let's say, 20 years. Um, so that next generation of the second generation came through and, and really, um, really changed the way that they wanted to do business. And the family became more tight knit, more driven. And unfortunately, we had to make the, make the difficult decision of, of removing a family member from the business. Um, it happens. It, it happens. happens. But, but one thing that, that we've always said is we're very thankful to that generation for doing that because it instilled more family values in us where our families now are closer than they've ever been, you know, whether it be from aunts and uncles, the cousins and, and things like that, that you, you have the family that's, that's stronger outside of business, which helps the family in business row in a certain direction. Like we, you know, we don't get along every day. Right. How could That's you? mildly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but we know at the end of the day that, that everybody that is still in the business or even retired from the business has each other's back and supports each other and knows that we may not make the right decisions every day, but the decisions that we're making are for each other and for our extended families that work for the organization. It's per no, that it's perfectly said. I appreciate that. I think going um, back to our grandparents and our what some of their values were is something that was made them successful was every challenge was an opportunity. Mm. So that's something that's also shaped how Colby and I look at the business every day is when we have hurdles, we look as a, as an opportunity. It's not a no. It's maybe it's going to take us a little bit longer. Maybe we have to think a bit a little bit harder. But our grandfather would make it happen. Love that. Love that. I have a mentor. I can't remember exactly the quote, but he says hidden inside of every obstacle is the opportunity for success. And then, you know, they're, exactly. they're kind of buried in there. It's the kind of the same thing. I love that. Right. My, my mentor says there's no sense putting the brakes on when the car's upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I like yours a little bit better. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, you know, thinking and looking back through history for the two of you in, in regards to the, you know, the company, what are some of the things that you're both really proud of, both the family, the employees, the, the business itself? What would you say are the things that you're most proud of? I think it's easy to say we're proud of our business. That's an easy answer. We're obviously very proud of what we do every day. Our employees are it, they, our employees speak for themselves. They are the best in the industry. We are grateful and thankful to have them working at this company every day. It's a choice they make. And so we appreciate that and we value that. But on top of that, I personally, again, this is, I guess, personal question, but um, I'm proud of our family. I'm proud to know that I can rely on, and Colby shared it earlier, I can rely on the fact that I know that every decision that's made whether I agree with it, which is a 50-50, maybe a 75-20, depending on the day, um, has a reason <clears throat> that decision was made. And that reason is embedded in the best interest of the family and company. Family is extended family as well, our employees too. But at the end of the day, when I rest my head and try to try to make my brain shut off for a minute, I can always look back and say that 
I am day in and day out proud of every single member of our family because of the values and commitment they share. Great. Colby? You know, for, for me, I, I use some stories, you know, when I first started was, was bringing people in. There was this one gentleman who, who grew up in um, the south side of Syracuse. We hired him. He was a troublemaker. He had a, a record, jail time, et cetera. And I remember when he said he had his, his daughter was born, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, you need to straighten up, right? You've got a daughter that's coming through. And, you know, he was, we would sit down probably monthly uh, and, and talk. Well, about 10 to 15, I think it was 15, 16 years later, he came up and said, hey, you know, I want to let you know, my daughter is uh, going to college, first in the family. You know, just seeing when we were a smaller company that, that, you know, just seeing these people and what, what we were doing, what it meant for their families and their, their, their kids' upbringings and stuff like that was, was awesome to see. We don't see it as much now because, you know, hey, COVID, right? We, we can't be as, in, right. you know, traveling out as much as, as we used to. But, uh, you know, just seeing how people, they, they come in and then, you know, how they leave. You know, yeah. we leave them to stay. But so a lot of times people leave but see that they, they leave in a better situation than they were when they came. That to me is when I was younger, the competitive nature said, you know, I don't want to lose people. Right. But now I look at it as I love people when they leave and they, they, they better themselves and, you know, their families in a better situation than it was when they first started. Sure. I, I think that's awesome. I think, I think as family businesses, we look at those employees differently and, and, and that really is powerful to think about the impact that we have, not just on the customers that we serve, but mostly the employees. Right, you know, right. a lot of times, you know, everybody says it's customer first. And I, and I know that that's true. But at the end of the day, I think it really doesn't it have to be employees first, because if I don't have good employees doing the right things, thinking about things and I'm and feeling good about who we are as a company, they're not going to serve the customer first. We're all in sales, right? We're all in sales. Our, our people on the floor are the best salesmen we have. Yeah. If they're happy and they're doing quality work, the people are going to keep coming back. So one of my favorite questions to ask companies, and you guys, you know, I, we haven't talked really about what you do, but so if you could take, you know, go through history and from your perspectives, think about maybe one of the toughest jobs that came through and that, you know, that you can think of to say, oh my goodness, yeah, I remember that job. And, you know, tell us about that so that we, you know, that the audience can get an idea of what it is that Feldmeyer Equipment does. Do you want to take that one, Jenny, or do you want me to take that? That's all you, Coley. <laughs> you have, you have all those stories. Well, <laughs> I always like to say one story. Um, Back in the, the early 80s, we, we shipped a tank to a, a local dairy. And this was what Feldmeyer was known for, was, was the dairy industry in the early days, that the, uh, the tank didn't drain. So my grandfather went up there and said, and he got a bunch of cinder blocks and said, just tilt it. Well, that didn't really, that, that, didn't, that didn't go over too well. <laughs> um, but, but fast forward, for me was... We, my goal when we started was to really diversify as much as we could. And, and when I moved back from Alabama in 2002, I walked into the office and our chief estimator at the time, August Cook, 
um, had this big, huge packet of, of work. And he said, here you go. Good luck, young man. And it was our first major, major pharmaceutical project, which was for Amgen. Um, they were making Epigen and Nupigen and Nulasta um, at this small facility in uh, Juncos, Puerto Rico. So here I am. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I guess I'm going to have to figure this out. And uh, that was our, our big thrust into getting into the pharmaceutical industry where over a seven-year period, it, Amgen and Juncos went from one facility um, to one major facility that they even got rid of mountains in Puerto Rico to keep expanding. And we ended up building over 600 vessels for them in a seven-year period of time. 600? 600. Wow. And so, I mean, I, you know, we got to meet through the family business, Central New York Family Business Awards, you know, and um, I got a tour of your facility. So I'm just, I just want to let people know real quick, you know, that, you know, you look at anything that's, that stores medical grade or food grade, you know, supplies or whatnot. Um, and Feldmeyer, you know, puts together those, you know, those types of, you call them vessels or storage tanks or whatnot. And I was like looking at these things and going, wow. I mean, the, the amount of, of pride that the person who was, you know, just sanding down and filing down the rough edges in an area, you know, to make sure that, you know, inside of the facility that it was going into was perfect. And you just see these were not just storage tanks. These were storage tanks that, you know, into the, you know, with the big quotes and the lots of big, bold and underlined. It was yeah. phenomenal. What's the biggest storage tank that you guys have ever put, put in place? The, the, the largest vessel we've, we've ever fabricated in-house uh, was a 100,000 gallon uh, storage vessel for milk. Okay. Um, and then the largest... Uh, Say the that largest Sorry, we do a lot of field work on site where we- Okay, got it. Tanks. So then from a field work standpoint, we built up the 500,000 gallon tanks uh, on site. And then the, the largest pharmaceutical vessel we've ever fabricated was uh, 70,000 gallons, um, which is fully electropolished, which was one of the largest that was ever built in the United States. It took uh, from to ship from Syracuse, New York to Atlanta, Georgia, it took four weeks to go all the way down. They actually had uh, brought their own bridge. They couldn't use regular bridges. So they had those, those military movers bring some of the tanks. So it was, it was unreal. That's very cool. So kind of when it comes to, you know, impossible storage tanks that need to be incredibly clean and well taken care of, that's what Feldmeyer brings to the table as you're doing these things. We, we say that if you go into a grocery store, anything in the liquid form or powder form goes through something we fabricate. There you go. And that's also where some of our the pride that you that you saw that you experienced on the factory floor is our, our employees are, again, fantastic of what they do. They are the best in the industry. But there's something to be said that they watch because we're fully integrated. They watch a product from start to finish. So they watch and they are, have a hand in that flat piece of stainless built into a, you know, whatever vessel we're building per customer specification. And then they go to the grocery store and they purchase that product or they watch their family member take a medicine um, or, or they're taking the vaccine 
Um, are they getting their booster shot, flu shot? You know, all those things. It's a truly, truly 360 degree of satisfaction that you don't always see at other businesses. Um, and that's why, you know, that we have that just a little, little bit extra pride that you might, that you experience there on the factory floor. I love it. I love and, it. I think another really, really uh, major project that I think we're all proud of was in about February or, or March 2020 or 2019, and all these years are blending together. Um, we started building vessels for um, not really hand sanitizers for the COVID uh, pandemic, but we also were building vessels uh, for all the major pharmaceutical companies, Moderna. We worked with them, Pfizer, that we were shipping tanks in record time to them so they could uh, they could make th these vaccines. Wow. And right now, to this day, we're still making 10 a week right. for them that are going to Moderna's. We've been shipping overseas to some of their pharmaceutical manufacturers, Biotechnique, going to Pfizer, going to Merck. Um, and then you look at the hand sanitizers, Gojo soaps. You know, it's 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 really impressive of how our staff, all of our employees, whether it be from the order entry, from the sales to the people on the floor, to people ship prep, FAT technicians, what they've done and what they've worked through to make sure that we kept this thing rolling. Love it. So, because this is the family biz show, let's let's flip it around a little bit and talk about family a little bit. So through the years, how many different family members have been involved in the business? And I know I'm, it's your, your grandmother and grandfather. Yeah. I mean, just, so it's three, you guys are the third generation. There's been, there's been eight total, including our grandparents. There you go. There's been eight total. Um, now in the early years, he brought a brother-in-law in, in that worked yeah. for him for a little while. Um, my father, uh, my mother's actually a Feldmeyer. My father worked for the business for a week and said, uh, if I stay with this, we're only going to be married a month. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so that was the total. So, you know, um, it, we've, it's a truly family business. Okay. Love it. And today are there, be, be, who's, you know, besides the two of you, are there any other family members in the business? So you maybe saw a peek of our uncle that was, he popped in and um, was standing behind me in a blue sweater for a second. Um, so that's our uncle. He's also in the business. Um, we do have two, two in-laws in the business as well that work in, in parts of our facility. Great. How do, you know, how do transitions happen? So you've had, you know, you're, I think you're in the process of a transition right now, I would guess, but like the transition from your grandfather to who was the next president? Was that so? So the next president of the company was was the was the one family member that we had to remove from the business. Okay, and he was in that role from '94, so he was in there for 16 years. Okay, as president, um, and now our uncle uh, Bob has been president since 2010. Um, we joked that. We, we know you're getting ready to retire when we get a more comfortable couch in the next generation's office. Um, because what they do is they sit there most of the day and they, they check on you to make sure that you're making the right decisions and, um, you know, just to make sure things are moving in the right direction. Um, Got it. Transitions, have, have, they've, they've, they're, they're slow transitions, right? Because it's family. You don't know, you, you don't want to leave, right? 
I think you don't want to leave the next generation there without your help. Um, you know, it's very difficult to let go at times because this is all you've known. Right. Uh, but we're lucky that, you know, each time a transition begins to happen, um, they, they make, they're very, they let us become autonomous, right? They let us make the decisions. They let us make mistakes because they know that they're there to help us fix it. Love it. Um, talk about family members outside of the business for just a second. You know, they're, 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 they know the business, they haven't worked in the business. Would you say that they, you know, how do they feel about the business? What are their, you know, is there still a connection to that for them to the business? Talk about that a little bit, John, Jennifer. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So um, I think both Colby and I have shared because our third generation, at least I can speak to, has been so involved in our entire family and our grandparents. They all, all of us are connected um, to the business and proud of it. So outside of the business, they all have different paths. Um, everyone works, you know, they all have different passions, but when it comes down to it, they um, are proud of the business and understand and that commitment. So obviously our, our the people that work actively in the in the business have a day-to-day -day active commitment, but it takes just as much commitment on the other side too, the people that aren't in the family, because they're they're supporting. They're supporting, um, you know, Colby and I in the day-to-day -day operations and our uncle who's in it, um, but they've supported the last 70 years and they have to support the future. Because again, when it comes down to it, we have this business, our grandparents built this for our family and we all, whether you're in the business or not, keep that in mind every day. So without disclosing anything, and I'm just going to ask, a, you know, let's, I, I'm, I'm curious for my own sake and, I, and for listeners, are the ownership of the business, are there some people that own a portion of the business, but don't work there? Not currently. Not currently. So sometimes that happens and, you know, it, so, yeah. you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing to talk about and look at it, you know, because it's like, there's what, even without ownership, there's members of G3, your generation, that are really proud of what the legacy that Feldmeyer has done and the families that they've, you know, employed through the years. And there's a connection. And I bet you, you know, they want to know what's going on at the business. They're not going to, they don't want to help with the day-to-day -day decisions. They might, you know, if you ask them, you know, they would give advice. But I bet you that they want to know, you know, how's the company doing? Where are we going? What are the latest projects? Does that sound yeah. familiar? Yeah. So the, the the second generation, the active family members or the people in the second generation, they're on the board of directors. So we okay. have a once a quarter um, that we we kind of review uh, company status, major projects. Um, obviously, we go over the books, things such as that, and we go over some of the other business ventures that we have. Um, you know, they're interested in that as well, but then they're also interested in what are we doing to, what are we doing to innovate, right? Because that's kind of our tagline, innovation is a family tradition. So what other products are we trying to come up with or what other product or what other machinery are we bringing in? And, you know, they're curious because again, they help grow the business where it's at. They're not here every day. Um, so, I mean, that's the biggest thing that we're learning is communication, right? Communication in a family business especially when you have family members that are no longer a part of it, you want to communicate. You can't communicate enough to them. Um, the more you communicate, the, the, the less that they, they seem to want to 
um, to know, I guess, is the way to put it. Yeah. One of the episodes that we just shot of the pot, you know, just recorded for the podcast was with, um, uh, if you have a cast iron pan in your kitchen, that cast iron pan is probably a lodge cast iron pan. Yep. We, we had the lodge family in there and it was really interesting. They have ownership, a whole lot of ownership that does not work in the business. Nothing day to day, like, like over 50 family members, only five or six of them work in the business, but ownership all over. And, and I bring it up because I think it's, you know, their key was what you just said, Colby, it was communication and that, you know, everybody needed to know what was going on, how things were going. Um, and we needed to over communicate. They needed to over communicate in order to really make a difference. And I think that's really powerful what you said. And it's smart to get in front of it. Cause if you're, if you don't communicate, what happens, you know, people right. are left to make a story in their head. Right. Exactly. And it's right. not easy. It's not easy to communicate, especially. Yeah. And that's something that Colby and I have been thankful to learn um, in these transitions that we've watched is that it's a choice that you make, yeah. especially when you're working with family. There are sometimes you don't want to have a conversation with them, or there's sometimes where you, you know, there's a lot going on and we're all active and, but communication sometimes is a choice. Yeah. And we've, Colby and I have made that commitment to communicate. Love it. Yeah. And Mike, the, the other big thing is you know, we, we learned at a, at a very young age is once you walk out the doors of work, you don't talk about work. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, so, you know, we have, we have a family uh, camp that we all, we all still go through during the summer. And um, you would think that we all have our own business careers because it's never discussed. It's never talked about. Um, we all do family holidays together. It is never discussed. It's never talked about. But when you walk through the doors back into work, then we understand each what our roles are and, and what we need to do for each other. That's great. The, the, you know, the, the, those are really effective boundaries that I would say more than 80% of family businesses don't have that boundary. You right. know, it's like, okay, you can't talk about business during the holiday until after dinner, but then game on, you know? <laughs> it, it wasn't always that way. I mean, I can remember as, as, a, as a kid where it was a big part of, of their lives outside of work. Um, but really within the last, I would say 20 years, Jen, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really been like, as we've grown, I think there's been more confidence in each generation or each member in the business that we're all here to help each other out and help our extended families, which are our employees on the floor, um, that we don't need to talk about it 24 seven because, you know, Feldmeyer equipment isn't going to define me as an individual. It's not going to define Jennifer as an individual. Uh, it's not going to define other family members and other businesses as an individual. What, what's going to define you is how you're, how you are outside of work. Um, and we like to fly under the radar a little bit as well. So you, you, you caught us, you caught, must have caught me on a weak moment. <laughs> um, talk about, real quick, I'm going to back to family, um, your favorite family tradition. Colby mentioned it, going to camp. Going to camp. We have a camp in the Adirondacks. Um, our grandparents purchased this old wrestling camp um, or sports camp in the Adirondacks um, with a vision 
And to this day, Colby mentioned it, we go there. Um, all of our family goes there for the summertime every weekend, okay. even though we work together day in and day out. We choose to spend the weekends together at this camp, Adirondacks. It's rustic. It's not a second home. It's a rustic place. And, but that's where the memories are made. We don't have cell phones. We don't have TVs. We truly spend time with each other on the water and enjoying, enjoying time with each other. And that's, that's my family favorite tradition. You know, that, that's my favorite as well. Um, you know, because again, you know, for the, get that next generation <clears throat> used to hard work. You know, I can remember going up there and, and spending half the time underneath a, a, a camp trying to fix the plumbing with my grandfather. Well, now my son does that with, with my father. That's does great. That me. You know, so you, you're starting to get those next generations to understand family, understand work ethic. Um, it's almost like a sports team, right? In a sports team, you always bring them to a camp and, you know, you, you go off on your own and you develop teamwork. And, and that's kind of what this family camp has done for all of us. Amazing. And let me uh, tell you, if you haven't had a steak cooked on the open wood fire or grilled vegetables cooked on our open wood fire at our camp, you have not eaten. You haven't eaten. And, and it, takes, uh, it takes about six months to grow the hair on your arms back. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, what is the, the family's vision for the future right now? Do you mind, do you have, is that something that you can talk about? Sure. Jen, what's your vision, Jen? Our vision, or I can speak to my vision at least, but I think Colby and I share a lot of the same. Um, again, we choose, Colby and I choose to talk to each other on a daily basis about our visions for the future. And our vision is continue to grow, um, but that growth is strategic. We want to be very purposeful in our actions we're taking every day. Um, but our vision as a future is to continue to provide a place for our family and our extended family, our employees, and develop the best products that we can put forth, whether we diversify or not, and continue throughout the rest of time. Right. I mean, I think the key is we don't want to do what we've always done. You know, we always want to get better at what we're doing. Um, I always say, um, you know, every decision that we make, we have to understand what that effect is on everybody else, right? So Jenny and I, we sit there and we talk, we figure out what we want to do in a facility, whether it be Little Falls, whether it be in Alabama, Iowa, you know, what do we want to do? We've actually just, we're in the process of finishing a 80,000 square foot addition in our Little Falls facility to provide to that community. Um, we're looking at that next step. We're looking at bringing new equipment in. Um, so our, our, our vision is to do strategic growth, but do it the right way. Nice. What are the obstacles to that strategic growth right now? What are, you know, do you mind sharing? What do you to look at and say, these are the obstacles we're kind of juggling, right? You know, that over the next five to 10 years. Yeah, without stating the obvious about the pandemic, um, you know, certainly we have a lot of employment struggles. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of things, and Colby can share a little bit more about production and all those other things, but um, a lot has changed in the last three years. A lot has changed to the world, um, and those challenges we are starting to realize aren't going to go away. So we're looking at the, the fact that how are we adapting? How are we taking our strategic plan and using that as an opportunity to change it, shift it, think outside the box, maybe bring in some automation if we need it, um, you know, just innovate. 
Mm -hmm. And the, the other one, the, the other really large obstacle that we're trying to overcome now is supply chain. Yeah. <clears throat> the supply chain is, is difficult. You know, we, we're lucky enough that, again, we're vertically integrated, so we do a lot ourselves. Um, however, to, to get a lot of the raw materials is difficult. You know, we, uh, we actually purchased enough material to last us six months. But what's going to happen in the next six months? Right. Um, so supply chain is very, very difficult. Uh, as Jenny touched on, employment. Employment is, is difficult as well. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, matter of fact, I just, uh, you know, how to attract and retain employees in this, in this, gen, you know, yep. pandemic world, endemic world, wherever we are now, it's, it's tough. And I just read an article that there was, there's, you know, way more jobs out there than there is unemployment right now. And there so is. that's, you know, I, I think a lot of people, that were in that 55 to 75 years old that were still working when the pandemic happened, you know, they were the managers and the, the leaders within the companies just said, I'm done, I'm out. So the yep. great resignation wasn't so much that, you know, our age or whatnot, everybody was out because we still need to work, but it was, it causes this vacuum because people are like, that's it, I do have enough, I'm, I'm close yeah. enough and, and they're out. So you, I mean, what you, you lose there is you lose that knowledge base. Yeah. So you've got that younger generation now that are coming through in roles that they're not necessarily ready for. Um, and so there's a lot of growing pains that happen there. Yep. So well, if I remember walking through your facility, don't you have like a Feldmeyer University kind of thing? Isn't that, didn't I see something about that? That's yeah, we've done We've done some cool training programs where we've, and we look a lot at different high schools and different um, trade schools in the industry here in our local communities and all of our locations in the U.S. Um, and how to build that workforce from an early age. So we yeah. do a lot of tours, we do a lot of um, different training opportunities, um, but we do spend a lot of time because we know that that knowledge is something you have to start building at an early age and get that interest. Great. What is the, you know, do you guys have a succession plan in place right now or are you still working on that? We're, we're in the process again, because of, you know, some of the changes in the family dynamics and things like that. Well, right now we're working on the succession plan, you know, and, and the goal is, you know, this, this, this business was built for the employees and the family. So we want to ensure that uh, however the plan is set up, that there's that strong nucleus we can't lose the value, right? We can't lose the innovation, um, you know, and, and we want we want to make sure that the succession is set up so that we're even stronger down the road. Great. Um, from your perspective, if you're talking to other family business owners um, or people that are just working in a family business or family members that may not be owners, whatever the, the case may be, if you're working in a family business, what are the one or two pieces of advice that you would want to bestow on others? I got an easy one. Go ahead. Not an easy one. Don't take it personally. I was just, I have a, I have a, a poster in my office that just says, shake it off. <laughs> Don't take it personally because again, <clears throat> in a family business, there's a lot of emotion, right? right? There's a lot of emotion. Um, that, you know, things are said, 
things are done. But remember, at the end of the day, you all are, are doing things for a common goal. And the other one is you can't over-communicate. <clears throat> You've got to communicate, um, let people know where it's at. Um, because at the end of the day, they, they do trust you, but they don't trust you. Right? I mean, they've, they've built the business to a certain point. They want to ensure that you're still carrying on those values. So they, those two, for me, go hand in hand. Can't right. over-communicate and don't take it personally. Right. Um, last question. When it comes to business, and you may, you may not be readers, but favorite book? Um, I love Good to Great. Good to Great. Good to Great. And I tell you, I, you know, um, I've been getting into some, some uh, audio books from driving and stuff like that. The uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, audio book was just out of this world. Very cool. Good to know. Thank oh. you. Jennifer? So I'm not a reader. I'll 100% admit it. I don't like to read, but I did make a commitment in 2021 to read more books. And how that I, work? 2022 now. I know, but I did it in 2021 wow. and I already read a book in 2022. Yeah. I'm proud of myself. Um, but the, I've, um, one of my favorite books is the home edit or organization books. And it's not necessarily about the organization tips that come in the books, but it's how to compartmentalize your thinking. Okay. Uh, and so I've, I've taken that and, you know, what was the, name of that book? Um, the home edit, I, the home edit. Okay. Yeah. I love yep. it. I have not heard that conversation before. And as someone who might not have a great time and easily compartmentalize things, I think I'm going to grab that book. Or maybe I'm just trying to find silver linings in books, but and forcing myself to read. But I am trying to take the fact that I need some organization in my life and learning how to compartmentalize your thinking and realize what you're good at and focusing on those things um, is something that I found in those books, those organization books. Great. So I, I, I can't compartmentalize. I just gotta, I just go. <laughs> That's me. Um, I'll, I'll share with you, Jennifer, and inside of the human resources, you know, area, and just as a family business, um, just one of the books that we always talk about on the show is Patrick Lencioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, mm -hmm. Just a great as you're building teams and putting things together. I think it's a phen phenomenal book. And I, I shared another one with you when we met, but I don't think I had copies of the book then. There's a book um, by Shannon Susco called um, Metronomics. And so one of the things that I found, and we just did a book club with it, had a great discussion um, just recently about metronomics. We do a family business book club. And one of the things that we found through the book was just that you know, the Patrick Lencioni's book and Good to Great and The Great Game of Business, they all have tons and tons of ideas and, they, and they, they're really good. You know, there's, you know, they, but how to implement them day to day, week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year inside of the business is sometimes hard to say, where do these things fit? And mm -hmm. Shannon built this book to give you the recipe to walk through all of those pieces and know where to integrate Jim Collins, where to integrate Pat, where to integrate top grading and all the other great business books that are out there so that you're keeping balance within your business. I highly recommend to both of you. It's one of my favorite books nowadays um, and, and probably not 
going to change anytime soon. You're talking to somebody who's read every business, not everyone, but obviously, but hundreds of business books through the years. And what Shannon did was like a light bulb for me. It was like, oh, that's how you put these pieces together and you just keep building, you know, block on top of block so that you're getting stronger and building that foundation really well. So there's my little bit of gift to you, to the two of you. How do you find time? Um, same way you just talked about the audiobooks. So because, you know, I have clients all throughout upstate New York and I, we have a small client base, but it's I'm traveling to Elmira or Cortland or Watertown and you know Syracuse. And now that, that hour, two hour drive out and back, that's four hours that if I'm not doing, you know, if I'm not on the phone, I want to be have a, you know, something popping into my head. And, uh, so that's kind of how that works. Well, thank, thank you to both of you. Really appreciate your time and joining us and telling us and teaching us a little bit more about Feldmeyer equipment, about the family and how you guys, you know, have, have pulled together through the years, you know, as a family and to run an incredible business. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you thank for you. inviting us and uh, hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. This has um, been the Family Biz Show. I'm Michael Columbus from Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And we just want to say, remember to hit that subscribe button so that uh, you can get all of your future episodes of the Family Biz Show. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting-edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that, and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.